listen more Coldplay the world go to shit. That's how we're starting. Did you say Coldplay? That's the that's the lyric. That's the lyric. I'm gonna listen Perfect, more Coldplay. Coldplay the world cold as shit. That's why we were saying Coldplay should open for Travis. That is such a Mortal Kombat ass bar, and that it is so bad it's wonderful. Like <laughs> I unironic, really and I right. unironically think it's good because it's so bad. Like. <laughs> And that song I'm hits. Upset. Welcome to the show. I'm upset. Thousand dollars on my. Okay, I'll take. What if that I one. just did this like all episode? Like we're gonna have a Jasper theme episode. We're all just gonna make quick jokes. <laughs> or as we call it, the cozy cast. Anyway, do you mean, do you mean puns? This is a cozy. Okay. Yeah, yeah Jasper makes puns, <laughs> not jokes. I think that is a. As someone who makes I'm jokes, sorry. I resent that. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like let me be clear. Jokes. Jokes. Puns. It's more like jokes, poetry, haiku, haiku. Rit- riddles, a hundred feet of dog shit, and then puns. <laughs> but still below that is whatever Carrot Top's doing. You mean getting ripped? <laughs> You're right. I forgot yeah. about that, Dude, actually. Ripped Carrot Top is the scariest thing that has ever existed. And I think. You got that carrot cake. Why do I not know what's going on? Oh, never mind. It's too white for it's too How, white. It's far too white. How is everyone doing? How is everyone doing? He <laughs> thought I was like losing my mind. Yeah. Purvis is like, am I having a stroke? Like, which I think Just... I fear is gonna be a theme of this episode. Like Brandon and I talking about my own show. <laughs> Brandon and I talking about white men with inanimate object names, carrot top, buckethead, fucking like Dude, I do fucking love buckethead. Bumblefoot. Bumblefoot. Uh <laughs> Bozo the clown. I don't know. I tried. It's over. <laughs> How is everyone doing this week? Hi, we're living. How are you all? Doing okay. I'm doing good. I, I'm hyped RTJX tomorrow. Oh yeah. Nah. Big show for you. Big show. Have a big... What is three songs you need to see? Well, they're doing Run the Jewels 3. So I'm really hoping they do Stay Gold. Okay. Uh, I am going to ball my eyes out to Thursday in the Danger Room. Understandable. And the other song I really hope they do is Don't Let the Devil In. The the song off the Michael. Mic yeah, the song on Michael. That has LP on it. That's the other one I hope they really do. Okay, uh, they really do. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm also going to the Killer Mike meet and greet on Saturday, so I'll be here to show off any kind of goodies I have from that. And yeah, so big week for me. Cross fingers for your sign shoes. I'm hoping. Uh, gonna make it happen. Yeah. All right. an open mic. All right. So speaking of which, we have some insane things to talk about this week. <laughs> we, we, are... uh, we have one major release, in my opinion. <laughs> Dude, this release is major to me. This is going to be my this morning. This came out of nowhere. This came yeah, out of nowhere. It... This is going to be my morning tomorrow. This is probably, probably the best thing that can launch the day of a Run the Jewels concert, <laughs> like, for me. Get you really hyped up. Um what we are talking about, we are here for the return of Little Wayne. Little Wayne mixtape season. Oh yes, my god. Season. It's like the Obama's in office fix. again. Like the good old days. We're getting modern warfare. Th- th- 
is it three? I'm glad that's a, uh, one of the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Um, but back in 2012, baby. No, I'm super <laughs> excited for this. I am. You know, like, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that especially recently Little Wayne has, has is like, his all hits. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's, I think he's, one, he's been on an upswing. And two, I'm just, I just want it. Like, that's just what I'm in the mood for. Dude, I've said this a long time ago. For me personally, Lil Wayne is one of the most lyrical rappers I've ever oh, seen. Oh, he's 100%. Like, on yeah, a bar level. Punchline, exactly. Yeah, on a bar to bar level. I, I think he's, like, really, like, the, because, like, I've always said, like, there's kind of, like, a spectrum. And on one end, you have, like, your Kendrick Lamar types, your Nas types who, like, you know, Lupe Fiasco, who are like dense lyrical storytellers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very technical on an emotional level. And then on the other side, you have like technical on like a technical level and just like cleverness as opposed to insight. And that's like Lil Wayne. I think Lil Wayne mm-hmm. is like the goat at like that style of lyrics. And I think like those two things are equal in my mind. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I yeah. Like if you're like if you're <laughs> you at the both. level Little Wayne is at, that's S tier lyricism as far as I'm concerned. Right. Oh, yeah, and like and the thing is that like he always has at least a few bars in every verse that I like. Um, I fully I'm, agree I'm, with that. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> We've been saying we're gonna have a little Wayne episode for a while, so maybe uh, maybe next we got week one coming up real soon. Yeah, real maybe soon. next week. Uh, but <clears> first, we got we actually have to do your album. Yes, yes, we'll do that as well. Now, um, so September switch up. <laughs> September switch up in action. Uh, oh yeah, uh, that's a good name. That's I'll what we're calling that. it. Sept- switch up September, where we all okay. just like pass an album to the left. Like <laughs> Jasper decided to grab like. One of the most classic albums of all time. Yeah. Your favorite <laughs> like, artist's favorite album. Like, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. First, we got to get through the news, some other releases, some other albums, I should say. Um, George. Because there is at least yeah. I I have another project I'm pretty excited for too. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm excited for the Rome Streets No Scandy Five. I love Rome Streets. I'm like very into his mixtapes. He is by yeah. he's like the, one of the other members of Griselda that I really latched onto, kind of like you do with Boldy James. Even though yeah. I also love Boldy James now, but like Rome Streets like didn't take me any convincing. Like after that verse on, uh, I, I get him and Stove God Cooks confused, but both of them they're mm-hmm. uh, they're fantastic. So love. And funny enough, you mentioned him, Boldy James will be on this album. Yeah. Actually, so no, that it's makes have sense. a really good feature set. Yeah, no, that makes um, sense. It's funny. We haven't talked about Griselda for a while. I think it's I think it's time. <laughs> Give it time. Give it time. Spoiler alert like, for later in the episode. It's literally like two or three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for the recommendation segment. Get it time. Like <laughs> that's, that's crazy that I did one too. <laughs> but anyway. Um but yes, so that's going to be a super exciting release. And we also have Georgia Smith coming out with Falling or Flying, a little bit of R&B in your life. Um, that's we fun. have a bunch of singles, yeah. No. Um, I didn't know this existed. The Lyrical Lemonade is apparently going to release an album. That's interesting. Um, and this is going to be the second single. Um, what was the first single, one? I, I have no idea. I tried finding it. I don't know. I'm so So strange. I have a little bit of news about this. Okay, Jasper, let's hear it. They are having a anniversary concert this Sunday. Yeah, I heard about that. At the uh, at the Salt Shed, is it? Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're the day yeah. after Run the Jewels. 
yeah, I'll tell you all how it is next uh, next week. Oh, you're going you to that this that. weekend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah, I have no idea who's going to be there or what it's going to be like, but we will see. I'm trying to think who's doing. I saw one Instagram post about it. That's like all the information that I have. That's kind of crazy. That oh, yeah. I know it's shot self shed. This is the second um, single release. We have Kid Cudi and Little Dirk coming out with Guitar In My Room. And I believe there is a music video that will be releasing with the song. Um, so that's interesting. I would have never asked for this collab, but I'm not upset with the collab. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's exactly how I feel. Like, uh, both these artists are very hit or miss. Not, Kid Cudi's not very hit or miss for me, but like, Kid Cudi's a little hit or miss for me. Little Dirk's very hit or miss for me. So mm. like, I definitely could see this as something that just passes over me, but at the same time, like I'm there for I'm there for at least a spin or two. At least to check it out. Yeah. Um, another collab coming out this week <laughs> is Rick Ross and Meek Mill. Two names I haven't said in a very long time. They'll be releasing the song Shaq and Kobe, and I'm not gonna lie. I don't yeah. think either one of them are good representations for Shaq and Kobe in the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Just doesn't work for me. Yeah, but Wait, it'll, which it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, no, they're not. Maybe Rick yeah. Ross and Shaq. Maybe I uh, can maybe, yeah. but like I'll give that. So the big black niggas that could be Shaq. Okay, okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, Jaleel is Shaq. <laughs> also, doing a backflip and doing getting a three pointer. Just the way it's named sounds like it reminds me of Bad and Bougie, and it's like, oh, yeah. Shaq and Kobe, Bad and Bougie. It's like, come on, this is this is gonna be something. I don't know if it's gonna be what anybody asked for, but it'll be something. <laughs> it's gonna be something. It's gonna <laughs> exist. I'll say that. <laughs> um, yeah, we got that coming out. We have we have a single by the baby coming out. Wild, keep it. Wild. What's it called? It's called Tricking. Oh God, I hate this. I saw it. I just started laughing. I'm sorry. Why do we <laughs> allow this to happen? To um, I just want to see the responses on Twitter. That's all. That's all I'm here for. Why do we allow um, the baby to make music? They're illusions, Michael. A trick is something a whore does for money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although I feel, I do fear that if we banned the baby from making music. That puts him on the trajectory to podcast so fast. No, he would but, do stand-up comedy like he's tried to do. He did mention stand-up comedy. I feel like that would go much worse yeah. than the rapping career. <laughs> but um, I love that. I love this weird nightmare world we live in. Darkest timeline. Look, we have much worse <laughs> going on in our lives <laughs> than the baby being back. I mean, I don't know. The baby is top fifteen, maybe not top ten. <laughs> You know, like I'm trying to pay for it. Climate, climate change, <laughs> more like interest rates, the increment yeah, rise yeah, yeah. of fascism, and then the baby, whatever, like <laughs> whatever tropical storm is like the flavor of the week, it's and then the baby is like yeah. right underneath it. Air quality, <laughs> water scarcity. <laughs> we can go on. Emo. Police brutality, <laughs> mass incarceration. That's another route you could take. There's a lot of shit but, going um, on. But still, the baby's up there. I think he's a threat, and he needs to be dealt with. Like, I'm kidding. Don't kill me. Like, a threat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't, don't go to Walmart. You just went from like a solid five to like a hundred. Like, all right, bro. 
now the now the FBI's watching. <laughs> that's like that. That's like that video, that animated short I sent you guys, where it's like Cardi going over his set time, and he's like floating during location, yeah. and they sh- they shoot him down with a plane, like, like you gotta take, take him, him out. take him out. <laughs> he's getting, he's doing too much. He's going too high. <laughs> um, I feel I I agree with that though. Like, <laughs> I'm not upset with you. Yeah. I'll say that. All right, but let's go. We <laughs> on to the other news. Even though we're getting the terrible news of the baby, we are getting. A really good collab. This is the third collab with Black, Six Slack, whatever you want to call them, and Jesse Reyes. This is the third song together. The other two are hits, honestly, so I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I like Six Slack. I'm most excited. I like Six Slack. Yeah, I like. I don't know what to call it, but I call it Six Slack. Yeah, Six Slack is good. Absolutely. So, and then excited for that. Let's take a little trip to Atlanta. Atlanta is the is the place to be. Um, <clears throat> we have Lotto coming out with another song called "It's a Party" with Baby Drill. Um, I'm expecting a club bop with a lot of twerk. Atlanta, <laughs> love it. Bottled up in a song. <laughs> Honestly, then, yeah. like whenever I hear people be like, "New York's better than Chicago," "LA's better than Chicago," I'm like. Only one who can argue with us is Atlanta, and maybe Miami, <laughs> but not recently. Yeah. Like, <laughs> definitely not recently. <laughs> um, Jasper, what's what's this? This, is, like something this is something pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So on Monday, I went to see a pretty cool film. Stop making sense is the first ever full featured concert film ever made, and it's a film by the Talking Heads. Okay. It was the first oh, time it was the first time camera work had ever been integrated from people on stage into like a full length yeah. feature concert film. Prior to this, it was there's a camera at the back and it's a static shot of the stage the full time. And this came out in 1984. It's back for the 40th year, 40th year anniversary. It's in IMAX at certain theaters. It's an hour and a half long. It's basically their like super iconic set, all the hits. Everything is is just super sharp, crisp. It's actually been remastered and curated by A24. So interesting. Really, really good, interesting thing. They've got it up by me at Crown Village, so like northwest side, but they've got it at a couple different theaters in IMAX, and it's definitely worth seeing. Definitely. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I love a good concert, <clears throat> a concert movie. Like when they're really well put together, they're very good. I remember starting to stray with genre a little bit, but uh, Green Day's Bullet in a Bible. Yeah, it was a concert film I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a that's very cool. I had no idea what this was. Yeah, this is definitely up there. Um, it's super cool. Just seeing David Byrne go and just be as weird as possible on stage for an hour and a half is iconic, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious: was it upscaled or like actually shot over again in like better footage? Oh, no. Well, so it's shot on film. And the thing about film is that it doesn't adhere to the same, like, resolution standards as, like, digital. So depending on how the film is processed, it can be output into a massive digital file. So it's original film footage from 84 that's been basically uh, cleaned and then color graded really, really nicely. And then output for IMAX. So it depends on, like, the millimeter size of the sensor that it's shot on and the size of the film. Yeah, do you know what the film size was? I think it was originally 70 millimeter that it was shot on. I don't think this, the, the, I think what I saw was a digital conversion though, because it was uh, a standard theater, but okay. it was an IMAX, IMAX yeah. system. 
Okay. Super good. Great color. Great yeah. sound. Great everything. Worth seeing. Something I was thinking about the other day was uh, I was just bored. I was working at home. And I was just like, I got to put something on the TV while I write or I'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. And I found like pretty much every set at Riot Fest in like 4K quality. Like oh, sick. super up close, like very reasonable on YouTube. And I just went down this rabbit hole of finding like lives, like really, really decent, like on the ground footage of all these sets. And it's really cool. Yeah, that's something that I still we, this could be a whole tangent. And I don't want to do it, but that's something that I still take a lot of issue with is like actual preservation and distribution of concert footage. Because there's so many live shows that I want to be able to like own or have access to to watch regularly that just don't make it to market. Like I want a video of a live 2007 from 2007, and it's impossible to find. And there's just like a bunch of artists who just don't release stuff like that. It's, yeah. I think it's kind of a yeah. shame. There are there's a if you go into like the weird hippie like jam band culture. They have a yeah. very like there's an entire website dedicated to that to like preserve. Oh yeah, like if you if you like fish, like you'll find yeah. that shit. Yeah, if you like fish, <clears throat> you know you'll yeah exactly. And I think like yeah, I think if we could maybe do like a centralized movement within like music fans, you know, because yeah. like I think the only issue with like these things is that they're on YouTube, so they're on, at like the whim of the Google, you know. Uh, Fund the Internet Archive. There, I said it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I would rather have our money go to the Internet Archive than bombs. Or Disney. Or Ukraine. Like, well, anymore. Like. Okay. (laughs) Or fucking, fucking, to fucking police (laughs) officers. Give me, like, (laughs) give me high quality turnstile concerts. I don't need police. Fine. <laughs> allow it. <laughs> just allow it. Purvis is very tired all the time. Purvis understands. Purvis understands the turnstile hype too. Right. So it's it's a perfect storm. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, that's actually really dope. I didn't know any of that. Um, in terms of news, there's not much. No. It's been a very slow week. There's like one major news that I wanted to bring up is that Beyonce brought out Megan Thee Stallion in Houston very huge concert for them and rumored doing a tour with her like officially so i think that'll be really dope and like a great introduction back into this new megan this uh post-trial megan <laughs> i agree how how much more famous and well-known does she need to get before she can just like in the dock here just go by megan and everybody will know know it like they know beyonce she's been that she's, since the, the start is- of this podcast you think so? I was going to say, I, I feel like if I hear Megan, I'm going to think of her. Yeah. Especially in the circles that we're in. It's about hip-hop. Megan's her. I don't true. know anyone else. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you Music all saw period. it. She, true, yeah. I don't know if you all saw it, but she also has a Hot Cheetos collab. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Right, we did. That's what the... Okay, yeah. Yeah. Never mind. She, her name's getting everywhere, dude. Nah, she's crazy. Yeah. But no, this is going to be really, really cool. I love that. I mean, I was just listening to the Savage remix the other day. And it's uh-huh. like, yeah, the Savage remix is better than the original. I said it, like, which is insane to say. No, Not like that, it's a bad take, but no, like, that's a big deal. No, because <laughs> like the Sav- Savage is a great song. Like the original right. is already like exactly. a great song, right? Um, this is gonna cost Rachel a lot of money. Like, <laughs> 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 like Rachel's gonna be like, God damn it! Like, 
but she's gonna go anyway and she's gonna love it <laughs> there's zero chance i'm not at this show like <laughs> i i i would 100 percent want to go to this show i'm yeah. upset that i missed beyonce last time i, I don't want to miss out on that again no but all right another amazing yeah. black woman in the industry uh, right now uh dropped an album last week yeah do we all um, listen to scarlet yes 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 okay i listened to it like twice once yeah once yeah once and okay. a half i guess technically yeah all right we're gonna do this we're, we're trying a thing where we do a review but it's not the whole episode like right. <laughs> high speed, high speed. we're trying to do like a five <laughs> ten minute, yeah five to ten minute what did everyone think because like i don't know like on one end i think this is her best album but the thing is i've come out of every doja cat album disappointed Okay. And I came out of this one disappointed, but like less than other ones. Was it disappointment for the same reasons? Just that I think she can be doing better. That's okay. all. Like, like I think there are some like really strong highlights on this track, on this album, and I do not think the misses are nearly as like generic and like just bland as like the misses on her last few. Uh, okay. Like wet vagina, I think is like a fun, like a fun like idea and like a fun turn of phrase, but I just don't think it comes together. And like I'll take that over any like throwaway pop bop that she had on, you know, Hot Pink. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but no, I did think that there were some like really solid, uh, really solid tracks on this. I really liked Go Off. I really liked Agora Hills. I really liked the freestyle at the end. I really liked Balut. Uh, I love Attention. Attention is probably in my top <clears throat> 10 singles of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. Love Demons, Paint the Town Red. Uh, and, like, I like Fuck the Girls, but, like, there was a thing you mentioned when we were talking about it that I think is 100% true, and that is that she really hits on that theme of, like, fuck the haters a lot, and, like, it wears out its welcome, in my opinion. I I definitely think the album would have been more interesting if it was more demons-flavored and less attention-flavored. And I just said that's one of my favorite tracks of the year, but, like, I think, you know, it just doesn't scale. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I so, mean, yeah. I'll jump into it building off of that because that was one of the main points. That was the first point I think I brought up to you when we texted about it. Um... I genuinely do not like this, but, or I usually do not like this, I would say, but I do like it this time. The She put the leading singles at the beginning of the album, which sometimes now, I don't like. I feel like they either shouldn't be on the album at all or kind of be like at the end or dispersed in where it works. Yeah. But it opens up with the, the two singles. So it was actually a very nice welcoming lead into the rest of the album yeah. because I felt familiar with the music in a sense because for Doja Cat I don't think the music is typically for me or people of my demographic that are like me so I'm trying to get in the mind space of like okay think of it like maybe not as purpose but like just analyze the music for what it is yeah um and so it actually got me to warm up to the album and the first thing I noticed was like the whole theme the whole conversation about this album before it released was this whole debate about like is it demonic and all this other stuff and that was and, just like, not there it literally wasn't the album at all yeah it, like, it was the two singles like <laughs> even demons comes across a lot less 
yes. like actually satanic in the context of the albums and it's literally called demons right it's like, it's like what i said about the video where it's like i really like the idea that there's a demon on your ceiling and it's flexing on you i just bought a limousine like <laughs> all right cool. right yeah it's in such a, a light tone when you put it that way and it, in my personal opinion if you take away all the visuals that came with the release of this album there is no point where you would even say or even come up with the claim of like oh this certain is like a satanic theme or a demonic yeah. theme or whatever yeah i yeah. feel like that and, wouldn't even come up yeah and, i agree 99 percent of the time there never is it's just all yeah. it's it's all illustrative to to sell stuff because people will find it controversial or yeah. because they like the aesthetic of it and they want to borrow it yeah. and she even mentions it in the album because like even though i listened to it once i listened very deeply um off of like what i genuinely liked i think 97 was my first song i was like damn i really like this song um go off was really dope um moving on to attention that was the big one it was actually it seemed like not necessarily a love song but themes of relationships starting to come up towards the end of the album i was like oh this is really dope but it just didn't really hold any weight for me that i think that's fair like i think like it's also like i like the sound a lot more but i think it wears out its welcome right like by the end of it like me and rachel were like we should turn this off and then we were like oh Now there's two more songs, right? Like, it's not a fun listen, you know? I think, like, there are some solid, solid highlights. You know, I think the singles are great. I, I really like Agora Hills a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Go Off, as you said. I think the freestyle that the album ends on. I think it has... See, the thing is, I think Paint the Town Red is, like, not just, like, oh, it's comforting because we know it. And it is good in its own right. I actually think mm-hmm. it's a legitimately good opener. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think, like, if it wasn't a single, we would still be here, like, oh, this is a really solid opening track. And I think the album closes really strongly, too. But, like, I think it just kind of meanders. It gets to some good parts, but, like, and it doesn't get as, like, lame and forgettable and mass-produced as her last few albums, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But a But a great album that does not make, you know what I mean? Yeah, I... I, I... I really like that this album moved away from being so much of a meme. Like yeah. a lot of her other stuff. Uh, like, yeah. I know that it's popular, but the song Ain't Shit off of Planet Her. I yeah. hate that song. Yeah. Just like everything about it, it's like the tone is very mocking and just like, un- it, it, it takes itself so unseriously that it's like, it's like, why, why are listening to this? If you, it seems like you don't care about it. So why should we? Like that kind of thing. Ooh, that's a good point. And I don't, I don't get that feeling at all with this album. I mean, it, there are parts where it does dip into being generic, but I think there's a lot of stuff on here musically that is much more in the vein of stuff that I, I would personally want to listen to. I, I really like Paint the Town Red and Demons. FTG is okay, a little repetitive. Um, mm-hmm. 97 I like. I really like Agora Hills. Like I think musically that's a strong track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then obviously attention. I also like Balut towards the end as well. Yeah, Balut's a solid track. And I also think the freestyle is really strong. Yeah, and it, I don't it think is. it actually it's, is. It does not sound like a freestyle. It just sounds like a good ass song. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot here to like, but there's I not a lot that, to love. Right, exactly. And I hope that there's momentum behind that to make the next one yeah. even that much better. Because the reality is that she's a she's a known quandary. Like she's gonna you know she's gonna generate the streams. She's gonna generate the revenue. So there will be another album. 
Yeah, and she's been doing the Tyler the Creator thing of like an album every two years, pretty much like clockwork. So maybe yeah. by twenty twenty five, we see something absolutely banger. And who knows? Maybe this is her cherry bomb. It that is very possible. Yeah. That'd, that'd be crazy. Yeah. It, I think. Almost even though I don't cherry. think it completely lines up because Cherry Bomb is worse than Tyler's other projects, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I was gonna say I think this would be more like her Flower Boy, just in the sense uh, that it's like it's a it's a tonal shift and it's a pivot into like a yeah, new style. That's fair. That's fair, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good effort. There's a lot. I there's a lot to like. There's not a lot of love, and it does get a little annoying and overstays its welcome, in my opinion. It's so, long. Yeah, it definitely. There are definitely entire tracks that could have been cut. You know, fifty-seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, this thing should have been a type forty. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it could have been. Uh, I did like the re- redone uh, album art. Me too. Yeah, I think oh, it's yeah, yeah. much less generic. Yeah, no, I think it. I really like the um, redone album art, and like, look, I think she sounds good through all of it. Her bars come through. Like, I mm-hmm. think, you know, I think it's true that Doja Cat is just like on a rapper level, very talented. But we just got to see that come through on a project, which is like, you know, and the thing is that when you're in the pop world, there's like double the pressure to just like make the singles, you know. Mm-hmm. And that is fair. That's why, like, I don't care that she's making a break with that. I think that part of the industry is very seedy and gross, you know. Uh, but yeah, no. Do we want to just give? Do we want quick grading? I guess. Yeah. Do I just do a quick grade? Sure. Uh, Jasper, I Jasper, guess. do you want to go first? You want to open up since you're I would. Book class. I would. Yeah, sure. I would give this a. I guess I'd give this like a B. B minus maybe if I'm feeling harsh, but I think that there's like a lot here to work with. It's just it needs to be refined, curated a little more. And then I think that the the instrumentation and, and the musicality is there. It's just it needs stronger subject matter and not just fuck the haters. And mm-hmm. fuck the haters would be fine if she weren't the one who necessarily instigated it. So having that yeah. context also changes my yep. opinion a little bit. But at the same time, like, it's cool that she's coming out and saying, like, yeah, I can actually make a rap project and people will, like, it'll be taken somewhat seriously. But at the same time, it's like, you, when you stir the pot, it's not necessarily, yeah. like, yeah. All, all good for you. My thing is that, like, I can't, I just can't falter that hard for being the one who instigates because Fair. I think she's right. Like, <laughs> I, and, I agree. And that's the thing, right? Is like, I'm just the kind of person where, like, if I think she's the one who's being correct, it's like, well, you know, like, I I think her fan base is a little toxic, and I think calling it out is not a bad thing. Like, I agree. I just, I personally really don't like when fans go after, or artists go after their fans, especially if it's, like, on an individual level, or they, like, make an example out of somebody. But yeah. in this case, it's not really that deep, so I, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Yeah, I think it's I think it's weird to be very mean to a person, right? Yeah. But I think the way people behave in groups... I think not only like can be criticized, I think should be right. Uh, And the thing is that like, I just, you know, I'm not going to sure. You could say like, Oh, I don't like how she did it, but that doesn't change the fact that she's right. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's like that. That's just how I I feel. Right. Like, yeah, that's fine. You can, but that doesn't change the fact that like, Nah, people are weird and like really overstepping boundaries. And it was all like 
I guarantee you it's all like a generated media cycle to generate hype for this album, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make it wrong. Like, no, definitely not. Yeah. I also just realized he's number six in the world, according to Spotify. Who? In terms of like, yeah, in terms of like Spotify popularity. Damn. See, like, okay, so that was going to be my next question, but I didn't want to like get too deep into the subject. I understand that I am not a part of the Doja Cat fan base or hater base because what she does doesn't really affect my music taste in the past. Like, maybe I'm missing it, but what has the fan base done that is deemed so terrible against Doja Cat? I don't really know Just like really of weird. how much hate she has received the thing in general. Is, the thing is that, like, Actually, how many streams does she have, right? How, so uh, well, monthly many, listeners is seventy eight million. Okay, so seventy eight million, right? The thing is that like maybe one percent of her fans will tweet at her constantly, right? right? Shit, like that's oh, still a about, lot of people. That's like still like right, that and like it's just shit that like believe it. Like another artist that like, goes through this a lot is Taylor Swift. Like people are constantly bombarding her about her sexuality, and it's like that stuff is coming from like a really innocent and defensible place. But put yourself mm. on the other side where, like, millions of people are asking you if you're queer. And it's, like, that's, that's like, not cool. Like, that is, like, not a cool mm-hmm. thing that we do. And with Doja Cat, like, she's always been in, like, not insi- insightful with a C, you know. And, like, she's always been, like, doing stunts when she shaved her hair. You know, people love to voice their opinion about that shit. And the thing is that if it's 1% of her fans, that's a stadium's worth of people sending her criticisms on her body. Right. I think when you put it in that context, I think everything she did is completely reasonable. And I also think that context Mm -hmm. is the truth. Like, and it's like, there's no getting around that. Right. Yeah. She also really kind of snapped back on some people regarding like, I guess the whole parasocial relationship thing going yeah. on, right? Where where she basically called out fans for calling themselves like like Doja Cat fans calling themselves kittens as like being like her. That was like, the one where people. I that was the one where I'm like, that's a little silly. But it like, is, yeah. it, it is. But at the same time, I understand. But like, the yeah, she says like, like I you don't know me. Right. Yeah, or like, like the yeah, the frustration around somebody branding themselves around you when you mm-hmm. don't you're trying to shift or pivot your brand in some way to yeah. appeal to a different audience. And I think that's what she was doing. I think she's trying to say like I'm not going to embrace this. I want people who I don't want to be I don't want people to see my fan base acting cringe and not give me a chance. That's yeah. how I saw it where it's like she wants to appeal to who knows? Maybe people like us who listen to more rap music right it's like yeah. yeah and if we see this gaggle of like 15 year olds who are all going crazy for it then it's like eh, maybe we're not as inclined to give it a try yeah so that, that's my thing is it's the sense of scale and the other thing is that like i don't know i do think fans get extremely entitled and yeah, i th- and, and i think i think the there's only- always a group in every fan base and the thing is that like the the thing is that the group is that you know, if it's like Star Wars fans, it's like a it's like a million people. If it's a small percentage of Star Wars fans, it's a million people. You know, like I remember that Asian girl that was in the Last Jedi, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. the, oh, I yeah. am like the eminent defender of that movie. But like, 
I thought she was good as the role. I thought that part of the movie was like the weak part. Uh, she got like th- tens of thousands of threats a day. Right. And I get that that's like a step behind what like Doja Cat is doing. But it's just like that scale. Right. It's just not something that if you're not experienced, like it's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like it's shit that like think of how often you look at your phone and like imagine if like really like disturbing shit was on your phone every single time you looked at it. You're going it's going to change the way you think about people. Right. Sure. And like, yeah, I kind of like that people are bringing their fan bases to heal a little bit because I think they need to be. You know, I think people get very, I think we're, I think this culture, I'm going on a rant. This culture is very obsessed with like ownership, right? And it has to be like a part of you, right? You have to own it. You have to dominate it to a certain extent. And the thing is that like, in like the social media age, it's less like, oh, I want to own the art. It's more like, I want to own a piece of you, you know? And, like, listen, there are some artists who, like, have managed that relationship and they came out the other side feeling fine. Beyonce, we talked about her today, right? That is absolutely a dynamic there, too. But, like, Beyonce didn't come up in chat rooms and shit like that, right? So it's just, it's a different world. That's very true. I've actually, I was going to say, what I have realized recently is because of what happened last week. Speaking on a name that we've just been talking about, Taylor Swift is like all over social media right now because yeah, she's dating chat. Travis Kelsey. Dude, I've and seen like, so many hilarious the, memes about it. It's to the point where Bleacher Report, understanding the Bulls, I mean, not the Bulls, Jesus Christ, the Bears suck and the game was so bad, Fox literally turned it off of cable. Yeah. I get that. And there wasn't that many highlights, but like the fact that he scores does the fucking. Um, Soldier Boy dance for a celebration. It is all over social media within a second because it instantly cuts to Taylor Swift after he does the celebration. And then, like a day later on TikTok, there's people in her fan base that are like saying that he stole the dance from her because she had a video when she was younger doing it, thinking that it was her dance. No. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I get it. Some fan bases have some crazy people. In yeah. And the thing is that, like, <laughs> even if it's just 1%, it's a massive amount. Exactly. Right. Especially so, for someone like Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, like, Taylor Swift is, like, an, an example where, like, e- the people doing it have, like, far less malicious intent than other, than other, like, than someone like Doja Cat, I would say. Right. Like, I feel like Doja Cat has gotten a lot of unfair shit ever since she came up. Right. Because she's a meme. Oh, by the way, we're doing the game as Yeah. Mean. By the way, we're doing grades uh C. Like <laughs> Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah. C. Uh plus. yeah, I give C. Mm, I'm not gonna do the plus. I feel like if I, I gave Tizo a uh, a plus and I, I I gotta I can't give this higher than the same as Tizo. This has to go. Oh, Tizo's better? I'd say. Okay. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. All right, Jasper. Let's make a hard shift to yeah, hard to be one of the <laughs> greatest yeah. albums of all time, and I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. we talk about the text message? Which oh, text yeah, message? <laughs> the one that I got oh. a screenshot of. Yeah, <laughs> I sent Jasper a screenshot yesterday. We're, co- we're doing a deep dive on it's switch up September, a thing we just made up, 
where we all listen to albums from different genres. Last week was Turnstile. That was mine. Uh, now we're doing Jaspers, which is Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, a, one of the most well-revered albums of all time. And rightly so. Uh, and I had never heard it. Now, <laughs> to be honest with you, though, like I don't have a, I'm not someone who has a whole lot of contact points with Pink Floyd. This is not my first time hearing the album, but like, I'm not, I'm not a heavy Pink Pink Floyd. Like, if you asked me to name my favorite rock bands, I Pink Floyd would knock them up. Mm. Well, Jasper, yeah, how are we gonna run this? Yeah, so so that's what I'm kind of curious about. Go just based on what you said there. So, as far as the album goes, Brandon, you'd heard it before. Purpose you hadn't, but are either of you familiar with the band Pink Floyd? As far as like some of the history, some of the other music, the projects, other yeah. hits, things I, like that. The, I I definitely know. I know enough to know that I don't know a lot, but like I know about the Wall. I know everything about the Wall and the movie with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know about this. I know about uh, what's his name, Roger Waters. Waters, yeah. I, I know about Roger Waters. You know, I, I I know about all the Pink Floyd lore. I've just you know, my dad had two Pink Floyd albums, this and the Wall, and that's like really yep. all I listen to. That's that's the starter pack, yeah. Yeah, and then like I've listened to other Pink Floyd stuff because of my cousin Alan, and it just doesn't hit me. Gotcha. You know, like it's not. It, I think Dark Side of the Moon is a spectacular album, but like Pink Floyd is just not my cup of tea. Curtis? Um, I mentioned already, I have no experience with Pink Floyd. I knew the band exists. That's my extension of like knowledge. Um, he knows it because of the Pusha T lyric. Rock star like Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not Check know it, it because of Pusha T. Um, it, it's funny because one of the most interesting things I said over the week, just like analyzing the album, um, I realized I never listened to classic rock at all. Yeah. In terms of any grant, any bands, any groups, anything in general, my point of reference reference for rock music has I'm not going to say unfortunately, but so far has been heavier rock. It's been more upbeat, faster. Um, because I have no experience with rock, I almost want to say like screamo, even though I know that's not it. Yeah. So the thing is <laughs> um, that like at least on the show. Right, because I think this is interesting because you said I don't even really consider this rock music, which I think for someone who has your limited experience based on this album, like I get I don't think that's an insane take. I think it's a bit of a wild take, but I don't think it's an insane (laughs) take. Uh, But to me, that's crazy because like um, Metallica, which you listened to last year, that's metal. Mm. That's like thrash metal. Right. That is, you know, a very specific cut of something. And Turnstile is hardcore which is like not only like a sub it's a subsection of punk, which is a subsection of rock. Right. So it Mm -hmm. is like a little ways downstream, you know, on a genre classical rock from a classic rock. So this is much more of like when people say like classic rock, this is much more of what they're talking about. Although I agree, like, like especially the first half of the album, like it's much more synthesizers and spacey, than it is, you know, rock. It's really not until money that you get like a real right. rock vibe. 
Yeah, so so what this is actually considered is classic rock tends to be more of like the traditional like maximalist American style a lot of the time. So like oh, like the Aerosmith, Eagles, Aerosmith stuff like that. This is progressive rock or prog rock. Yeah, and and pro prog rock is basically a subgenre that became popular in the UK in like the late '60s, early '70s, yeah. which is rock that's very heavily instrument oriented and draws a lot on like psychedelic yeah. tones and, and styles but also incorporates jazz and and blues yeah. and some some funk elements to make it kind of more laid back in that way so this is also like the considered one of the greatest probably the greatest example of psychedelic rock yeah i so, would say i would say more than like prog it's like very psychedelic i understand yeah. like why people especially at the time called it prog mm -hmm. uh but like when I think Prague, like one of the bands I was exposed to heavy as a kid was Rush. Yeah. And like Rush is like the Prague, like, you know, if you ever listen yeah. to 2112, like they mm -hmm. are the Prague rock gods. Right. I would say personally, I think the wall is more Prague than this. But I think that Pink Floyd yeah. just being considered a Prague band is what kind of puts yeah. it in that category. Well, they definitely experimented with sounds. Like I think like I think some of the things that we'll take for granted, probably not Jasper. But, like, I think the average listener, the unpaid nobody, if you will, uh, would take for granted is that, like, those sounds that you hear in the album, those are, like, the first time those sounds have ever existed. Yes. Right? Those synthesizer sounds were, like, new. It's, okay, it's funny you said that because, believe it or not, that was one of the first thoughts I had while listening to the album. I was thinking, like, were they the first ones to ever actually make sounds like this? Because I just feel like when I think of the time period, these sounds that are coming out of the album i wouldn't have even thought they had or they were using at the time yeah i thought that would be something that was newer like in the 90s or like 2000s the the whole psychedelic vibe that came with it but like yeah actually listen to the album for the first time i didn't realize these sounds were like so dominant back then yeah and like time. and pink floyd definitely took the ball and ran with it when it comes to psychedelic but like they did not create it like Jimi hendrix was like very psychedelic you gotta do a Jimi Hendrix episode. That's gonna be fun. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean they were contemporaries. It was it was a convergence on a sound that was being approached by people across different musical subcultures who who all had different influences and still had a lot of the retained a lot of the same styles and elements. They just executed that subgenre a little differently. Yeah, because Hendrix's big big break, I guess, was what sixty six to sixty nine, pretty yeah. much. And Pink Floyd got started in 65, and this album is 73. Yeah. So you see kind of that progression throughout. And then The Wall, their second real staple album, I think a lot of people consider, is 79. So you see that they developed through the 60s, and then in the 70s released some of their best work. Animals, too. Yeah, Animals is also... Animals is the other one of their albums Albums I like. Uh, and, like, oof, not, to, not to report myself, but, like, I also think, like, what was in the air, or more accurately, the water in that time period is like a huge development, a huge thing for the sounds. Like, I think the fact that like in the sixties and seventies, people were experimenting with psychedelics so much. Like, I don't think if you haven't taken them, it's kind of hard to like, it's kind of hard to verbalize, but it's like that sound that is like created in a studio that makes that psychedelic sound like that reverb, that lushness, like that's just how everything sounds when you're on those substances. Like, it's just like a level to it. 
So I think like that drive to recreate like this thing that everyone was kind of doing in that moment, specifically people like Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd or like Roger Waters and the people who were like involved. Uh, I think that's like a huge factor in it. Like, I think like uh, the drug culture at the time was like a massive thing. Definitely. I feel yeah. like that that's almost when I think of that time period back in the seventies, it's like my, my main point of reference, like the seventies show, for example, that yeah. entire vibe, it, the seventies show is like, one of the main things is the surrounding drugs. Like the whole yeah. scene of them sitting around the table is of them smoking. And yeah. most people don't know that till you watch the show. And so when I was listening to the album, it, hands down, any album I've ever listened to, it was this one where I was like, this is meant to be listened to on drugs. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> no, it definitely is. I mean, I don't, I think like there's definitely just like, like all music, like there's definitely a critical lens you can do to apply to this. Like when it comes to like theming, and like composition and stuff. And I think this album runs away with it, but also like, yeah, there's a reason they use this album to soundtrack laser shows, which was the last <laughs> time I heard this album was because Triton college, the shitty little college in river Grove uh, did laser Floyd up until like 2018, 19. And yeah, I would partake and then go there. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, so yeah. that's kind of our introduction to Pinkish Floyd. Yeah, I'm curious. Wh what did you all think? Just like, I'm curious, how many times did you each listen to it? Because it's not the longest album. It's only 10 tracks, technically. It's it like 45 minutes. Three times. Three and a half times this week. Nice. Because it, it is a quick listen. It is a quick listen. Um, I listened to this two and a half times. I got through half of yeah. it like earlier today at work. Yeah. Um, it also is an impressively easy listen like yeah. for such a I think like there is and maybe it's a fear more than it's an actual real thing but like I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of these classic rock like album like classic albums like in the the annals of rock history like I feel like there's like an intimidation to them like to me I've always felt that about Led Zeppelin you know oh yeah uh, I think this is a very accessible album yeah not all of Zeppelin yeah. is that easy yeah. um that actually kind of jumps down my list here, but there's there's something I kind of wanted to to touch on with that, which is verbosity in music versus musicality in music, right? And how they they play off each other, and how some things might be one or the other, or some might be both. But I think that this falls very squarely on being more musical as opposed to being more verbose and having a lot to say with with words. No, yeah, curious. it doesn't have a lot to say with words, but it does. I mean, I think like the biggest themes of the album are communicated with sound. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious. Given that we generally review and deep dive albums that are very verbose, that you know, there's a lot of communication through spoken word. How do we feel about just going for something that's I I think really the total opposite in terms of format? What do we think of this? I mean, I don't feel like it's the total opposite. I definitely think it's very different. And I am not starved for meaning out of this project. I feel like there's eight layers and layers of meaning, which I think is really the thing I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I gravitate to hip-hop because, like, I have an appreciation for lyrics for their own sake. 
But like what I'm really looking for out of any piece of music is a meaning. And, you know, you don't have to have complex or even good lyrics. Not that this doesn't have good lyrics. I think it I think like, you know, tracks like Money, I think tracks like The Great Gig in the Sky have great lyrics. But like I agree, it's very musical. But I think because it is so rich in meaning and that meaning is not super subtle, like I think it doesn't feel like an album that I would categorize as like on one side of that spectrum. It's something I would categorize as both, even though like critically, I understand that there aren't a lot of lyrics on this album, yeah. but like just like objectively, but I don't know. It, I, it didn't strike me as something that was like a binary. For me, it, it says a lot with a little in terms of the actual spoken lyrics, but, but purpose, I'm curious, what do you think as far as like where this falls in that way? Like, did, did, did you find that the instrumentation and just like the musical components that weren't spoken were enough in that way? Or did you feel like you wanted more out of it in some way? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. This, this album's phenomenal. I, I couldn't find a single flaw. So the way it's, built and structured now i genuinely enjoyed it i feel like what rock music benefits from is live music so when you're actually mu listening to music live i think the instrumentation is more important than the words in some cases um and i feel like just like any other rock album there needs to be periods in spaces within the album for the music to actually exist just as music where that doesn't happen as much in hip hop, like obviously there's beat switches, there's state, there's samples and things like that where the music can shine just as music. But I feel like hearing a guitar riff is just different. <laughs> it's just and different, so, yeah. yeah, it just, it hits different and it just presents itself differently. Yeah. Um, and so I, I loved it, honestly. There were, especially at the beginning of the album, like you said, it's much more spacey. Um, and I was actually thinking like last week how I was pushing back, thinking like, oh, Turnstile would be that genre's version of Blonde. But then I was thinking like this kind of album, like, no, like Blonde is trying to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never said that before, yeah. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Yep. And so having that space in an album, it, it was nice. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. And like the words that they do get across, it lines up with the theme perfectly. Yeah. So I don't. It doesn't need to be more words, but I can definitely tell the difference from what we would normally review. <clears throat> so, so I think that this album, because of the way it's laid out and the formatting, it's very easy to kind of give it meaning of our own, just in terms of what it's talking about or what it's yeah. not, rather not saying out loud. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, what what themes did you both take away from it, musically, lyrically, or some combination of the two? Okay, um, I have I have two, I have yeah, two, boy. and I think your whole thing about projection could be accurate, but I think I have a rock solid case. Do so it. first off, like I think one of the meanings of the album itself, this is going to be the uncontroversial one, although I haven't seen this as like a common talking point around the album. I think one of the meaning, like one of the themes of the album itself, is like the idea of depth, is the idea of like things are more than they appear. Right. And I think like that you can that that goes through every single song, the ones that are like Great Gig in the Sky, which has that amazing vocal uh, solo, you know, the ones that are very spacey. I'm going to pull up the track list right now. Mm. Uh, stuff like money, all that stuff. I think like it's all about seeing like this depth to the world. 
right? And I think that's also like a theme that runs through psychedelics as a genre mm -hmm. uh, is like that search for depth, that search for meaning. And I think it's like representative in the album art. Like that's what that prism is. Like it's, you see like the most basic thing that the imagination can like conceive of, which is like white light. And then you see the layers through it, through the prism, it's the rainbow. There's all that within white light, right? Uh, whoops. The, uh, the other thing is I think, and this might be my projection one, is I think a lot of it is about how like capitalism has become our life in the modern era. Like I think there's a reason why like the opening sounds of the album are a heartbeat and then switch to a cash register and then it does it again at the end of Great Gig in the Sky, which on the vinyl is when you flip it. Uh, so there's that there's that reoccurring sonic motif of like the heartbeat being replaced by the cash register. And I think that's what that's meant to represent is that like the fundamental driver of our lives is no longer like the beating heart in your chest it's how much money you can spend because realistically like when you run out of money and you got to live under a bridge your heart's not going to beat for much longer right mm -hmm. so and then like you know this this idea is like very consistent with roger waters is like politics which we'll avoid uh and i think it's also like bubbles up to the surface on money which is when you flip the thing right so i don't think that is like the sole theme but I think, like, of the one that I stepped away with the most, it's that one. Curvis, what do you got? <laughs> um, I will do initial reactions and then kind of, like, my final conclusions in terms of what I thought the theme was about. Mm -hmm. um, as this is my first time listening to it, I completely fresh. I had nothing to go off of. Just like instant, it was small little ideas that would pop in my head. Nothing solid. Um, I think I text you guys like this and immediately reminded me of like Bojack Horseman and like the themes. There's yeah. other places where I've heard music yeah. like this that I simply attach yeah. it to. Fame. fame is totally a theme of this. Yeah. Right. Literally. Like the, the, the dark side of fame is absolutely another theme that like I can totally see someone like I my little like communist heart listens to this and sees that thing. <laughs> But I can definitely see like other people see different things. And I think the idea of fame is very so much supported by the text. So I think the comparison to Bojack Horseman is not crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's one of the main ones I had at the beginning. Another one I had at the beginning. And it does benefit off of having this space in the album for the music to just be music. Is just the idea that... Trying to trying to find the best way to word this essentially i felt like the sounds that you hear in the album are meant to just be your day-to-day -day life and so some of the things that we've already talked about whether it be fame money whatever it might be it simply is things like the rhythms that you go with in terms of your life like other things that you just attach yourself to and you don't really realize is background noise and so having that being the initial thought it instantly reminded me of just like, okay, clearly speak to you is about being born because it starts off with a heartbeat yeah. and then it naturally tells a life story and how you eventually retire, you become this person, yada, yada, yada. Um, once I completely got through the album, <laughs> I decided to do research, which might have been a bad idea because I hmm. wanted to see what the most Pink Floyd person had to say about Pink Floyd. <laughs> and I found a Reddit page. <laughs> 
if this man wrote a 10 page paper like <laughs> yeah dude if you think and i read go, it. yeah if you think people go hard for blondes like you have you ain't seen shit dog people have been Bro. going hard for this album for like 60 years yeah dude i i sat there and read it because i was just interested no yeah. and like he breaks down every song and i'm just like yeah i i get it yeah i get it <laughs> it's it is one of the staples to like history almost this is this type of music can go on forever <laughs> yeah so good news you're both pretty much right on the money but i'm um i'm basically I, don't walk in front of your windows there will be traps don't, like don't, don't say it's okay money it's okay. was the one song i recognized don't ruin it's, it for me yeah, it's, <laughs> already, it's already happened it's too late <laughs> yeah so i mean the album touches on a lot and what I think is really interesting about it is how some themes are touched on just musically while others are actually spoken about. So yes to the heartbeat. Yes to modern life, consumer culture, you know, critique, everything else. But you've got stuff like um, On the Run, which is that first instrumental track. Yeah. On the Run is actually a reflection of fear of modern travel, specifically like going to the airport, stuff like that. Which is um, crazy because this was thirty years before nine eleven. A long time ago. <laughs> like, yeah, but back then planes were not reliable. You were looking at dual propeller planes. People died in plane accidents all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. So so being a famous rock band and traveling by plane, you know, you might be a little anxious about it. So yeah. I mean, everybody, oh, especially because like a Buddy Holly. Yeah, that was especially because like yeah, the day the music died and everything, and Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah Leonard Skinner too. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Another one that's real big on this that I want to get into as far as like some of the band history is mental illness, mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Sid Barrett was one of the original founding members of Pink Floyd and he potentially was already a schizophrenic, but was very heavily into psychedelics and basically lost his mind over time. So he, I think by 1968, 69 was basically removed from the band but he just became like a shell of himself was, would like sit there staring into space. And so there, there's, there's a good amount in this, the, the lunatics are in the hall, in my hall, you know, that whole thing. Um, brain damage as a track. The entire thing is like that. And then also uh, there's a section where it says, if the, the band you're in starts playing different tunes, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon. That actually happened where Barrett was playing something on stage with them and then just started playing something completely different while they were doing their thing because he was just in his own yeah. in his own world. Yeah. So so there's yeah, it was a different lot back of... then. Like it was it was a different world. Like Yeah. So, so so one of the main the main things about it, which doesn't necessarily come across in the earlier part, I find, but comes across later is that madness and like resisting the potential to slip into it. So like this the idea that modern living can drive you to that. Anxieties about money, anxieties about travel, anxieties about just existing, running out the feeling that you're running out of time. The song Time is exactly that. That's so, and I want to ask you both what your favorite and least favorite tracks are. Least favorite might not be fair. Yeah, I don't really have a least favorite. Like, I, because that's mm -hmm. the thing, right? There are definitely tracks that make me, that don't make me stop and look at my phone and be like, what the fuck is this shit? This is incredible, (laughs) right? Like, time like because i'm very familiar with like money great gig in the sky some of the other yeah. ones that are on the back end of the album uh 
us and them, which I really liked because I thought that was like a very clear, like distillation of some of the oldest ideas in political history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, I think for my favorite, I think it's definitely the great gig in the sky. I know it's like a very like cliche answer, but it's, it's, think you're I mean, it's cliche. <laughs> it's iconic. Uh, mine's time. Cliche. <laughs> yeah. Time is also incredible. Um, I mean, mine is money. It's literally the it's the one song that I genuinely already do. I just mm-hmm. I love that song. It's yeah. a great song. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a classic song, and it's like it's like so minimal from like a composition level, right? That's mm. something I really like about rock from the sixties and seventies. Like, especially go back, you listen to like old Stone stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's like a five chord, like it's like a five note riff, like on a single chord. Like, it's not, we're not even using power chords, right? Like mm. it, and it still hits. It hits like crazy so you know i uh money hits me on that in that level too i always think it's really funny when reality tv uses a song like money to lead into a scene like i think they did it in pawn stars or something where they're just like celebrating consumerism and it's like you don't really know what this is about yeah no it's like yeah it's like when i was in high school i i knew like a bunch of dumb jocks who like love nirvana and like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like I saw one of them was like, yeah, my favorite song is in bloom. And I'm like, my guy, that song's about you. Like <laughs> real. Yeah. It, or it's like, it's like when the, what is it? When the Dodge dealership yeah. uses born in the USA for their 4th of July sales <laughs> event. It's like, buddy. Amazing. <laughs> Another yeah. really dope thing I actually wanted to bring up. Yeah. There's something I want to bring up too. Yeah. But you go first. Yeah. I was going to say, now that we're talking about just like the track list and looking at it, it's very rare that I get this, and man, did it feel good. Having an album where the song flows into each other consistently yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. When you do it right, oh, my God. Yeah, it hits. I, it, I love it. Yeah, no, love this it. this almost feels like a score. Like, it, there's a so, reason people have been trying to sync it up with Wizard of Oz ever since it came out, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. And think about how how much further they could have taken it if it weren't for the break to flip a record yeah right because like yeah. they did it we well. have a pa- we have an inevitable pause it has yeah. to happen yeah and i think that's actually exactly like where i want to get to this right because mm-hmm. i think something we talk about is we talk about like external pressures on so- like on creativity right and like something that like leaves a really like bad taste in my mouth is like how short songs are now right and i think it all started with old town road which was like a very short song and the whole reason is because like artists are paid by the stream so you make the song super hooky you make it super short so people are tempted to like do it over and over and over again like this one rock yeah yeah exactly right a minute 30 seconds so yeah so it's like uh so it's like that external pressure of streaming shapes the music in that regard and then just because like at that point it's about getting on playlists it's about like generating streams you know, that's why albums get so long and they feel so scattershot. You know, you said, I want rock, pink tape, you know, like that's like yeah. <laughs> external pressures, right? However, like that's not always necessarily a bad thing. I think you could also argue like the external pressures of like digital music made run the jewels and also like things like uh, like Forever is a Mighty Long Time, which like makes use of the double album format in a way that you couldn't on vinyl because each side is as long as a flipped vinyl. Right. Uh, so like, you know, it, it's not all bad. Like every single thing has like an action and a reaction. 
And I wonder, because I, I see the album like as like very intentional with that flip, right? Like it goes until the great gig of the sky. There's the heartbeat and the cash register again. And then you flip it and then you're right in the money, right into that theme. And then it goes off and it becomes kind of like more of a rock album in like kind of the back half, in my opinion. Hmm. <laughs> and it makes At least you for wonder. The, for the first half of the back half, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I want to know, like, do you think that that was an external pressure by like having to make this on vinyl? Because that's just how albums were made back then. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me personally, I think it feels intentional. Like, I feel like having that front end go farther would have ruined the balance of the album. Right. But, you know, that's the conditions by which it was made. So I don't know. I thought that was very interesting. I I totally agreed. Yeah. Because back then you're either pressing a single album like this or you're pressing a double album, which has to have pretty much exactly double the content to fit correctly on the physical medium. Yeah. And anything you for don't people, use, you have to pay for anyway. Yeah. For people to buy. And and no one, I don't think anyone has ever shipped a, a double album that only has one of the two sides filled. Yeah. I might be wrong on that, but but I don't think that's the case. So it's about shaping the content to the format in a way that we just don't have to do today. Today you shape content to an algorithm. Yeah. I mean, it's still shaping to the format in a certain degree. And like yeah. I think you but see like it, a physical form factor, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think you see it in like I think like the CDs, like I think they gave us the deluxe because like it's a one time purchase and then like they were like, mm, how can we get people to do it a second time? And then they came up with the idea of the deluxe album that really started to hit in like the 90s, early 2000s when it was like the CD. And then things got even more single driven with iTunes. And now it's even more, you know, like I have a I have a theory that I think Travis like left uh, Sheck West off of Fiend for that reason. And that kind of put ashes in my mouth on one of my favorite songs of the year because it's like his yeah. verse goes hard. Yeah, his verse goes so hard, and it's like, listen, he was left off for two reasons. One, to optimize the song for streaming, or two, because Travis had some mandate against having Cactus Jack artists on the album, and both of those are really shitty. Like, but the album, the song hits. I'm not saying the song doesn't hit, but it's just like, you know, you see these external pressures, and then like, but I, I look at this, and I see it as a strength. You know, probably similar to like Because of the Internet. You know, I see the way that because the internet used the the world it was released into in its vantage, you know, I see this as similar in that regard. After listening to this album, I went to go listen to because of the internet and blonde. Yeah. Just because, like, it was the first album that I thought of. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah. Yeah. So, do so one do of the thing. Yeah, tell us. Go on. Oh, one other thing about the medium that I think is interesting um, and kind of unique in that way is just the time in which it released and what the landscape of music is like then versus was like then versus now because you look at where this album ranks in terms of critical acclaim sure but also in terms of sales right yeah this is the fourth best selling album of all time it goes thriller back in black whitney houston the bodyguard soundtrack with i will always love you on it and then this right And it's like, to me, it's super interesting because we just don't live in an environment anymore that can ever foster numbers like this. It has claimed sales of 45 million copies. Yeah. 
no no physical record no 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 digital album is even going to sell anywhere near that today it's there's just too much variety and too much choice in the market it feels like just based on like the access that we have for one artist to gain that kind of like monolithic kind of swell right so i just just, think it's super interesting i think there's like like one sampling error with those examples though hard to compare them i think no that's what i'm saying though yeah i think like well because the thing is like you you know if i bought a a vinyl of dark side of the moon right now that would count and this album's been out since 73 yeah you know no 100 percent. yeah there's a a time and just like that that time thing right and like what's the newest album on that back in black that had like what like 20 years back in black is no but the bodyguard is newer 1992 oh really i thought back in black was like in the early 2000s no back in black is from 1980 oh wow yeah so like the the youngest album on that is as old as me so it's like one no it's true yeah and like look even albums that like because we've all moved to streaming now and even like pre-streaming because we all moved to digital now like that's just not never going to happen even with albums like you know smells like teen spirit who had like you know when that album released people still bought it like physically you know never mind is actually kind of close it's got 26 million claimed sales yeah so but like my point is that like now no one's buying never mind you know I mean, no, it's true. never mind is like a bad example, but like no one. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's all about how like the streams compare to actual sales and what what yeah. is the equation or whatever. But I, I just I think it's interesting because it, it also speaks to a time where the landscape of media was just not as diverse. Yeah. Right. Because this it was like this was your option. <laughs> yeah. And we just don't have that anymore. It's like people have so much choice to choose what they want to consume and they could fall down the rabbit hole. Like we talked about the algorithm, the algorithm will cater to you what you want to listen to based on your taste, right? It's not like, oh, hey, this really good album came out. It's on that one radio station. So now you're going to listen to that one thing because it's that one radio station that you have access to. It's just like there are factors that have put it. What's that? I feel like it's a gift and a curse because I feel like there's some, a lot of positivity <coughs> to have your options as well. No, absolutely. Yeah. I just think it's it's just yeah. it's cool that this emerged from a to- such a dramatically different landscape, and yeah. yet we still can either relate to it or appreciate it oh, or yeah. enjoy it today, even yeah. so, even though the conditions could not be more different. Yeah, no, and I I totally agree, and it's something we talked about when we talked about Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, where it's like you very know, different. Yeah, well, very different, but also, like, you know, these things have stood the test of time. You know, we're sitting here looking at Blonde, like, oh, we know this is going to stand the test of time. You know, it's like the equivalent of a straight-A student walking into the ACTs. Like, you know it's going to do well, but you haven't gotten the scores back, right? It's like... Mm -hmm. So to see things that have truly passed it, and I don't think anything, anything has passed the test of time better than this album. Right, maybe thriller, like maybe thriller, <laughs> like, right. you know. And it's just like, and it is crazy. Like this is every this is every artist we love. This is like their favorite album, right? That was something I said the purpose as we were talking about it. This is your favorite artist's favorite album. Yeah, move over, MF Doom. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with with all that said, uh, we we could do a little track breakdown if we want to track this- by track. Otherwise, we could just give it a rating, however you two are feeling. I mean, I feel like we've talked about most of the tracks all the time. That's um, that's true, yeah. You know, because I think Eclipse is a good closer. Brain Damage, I really like. 
any color you like is one of the ones that I always just like kind of cruise past. That's the thing, right? Like this is like when you get to a certain caliber of albums, you're not talking about like skips. You're talking about which ones do you just kind of cruise past and which one are you like, hell yeah, money is on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, cause that, that's me to this, this album, this is an album. And like, this is maybe another reason why I haven't listened to it in 10 years, you know, is because like, it's an, it is an album in the purest sense of the word. You have to listen to you gotta listen to the whole thing, and like listen. It's a it's a movement. Listen, the first movement and the second movement. Exactly, one hundred percent. And it's like, and like listen. I think it's a very easy listen when it comes to like an album listening experience. I can Mm -hmm. definitely see myself in the next year when I'm looking for just like an album to listen to. Right, I can definitely see myself going back to this one more than I have in the past because now I'm more of an album listener than I was when like Pink Floyd was a little bit more closer to my notes, but. but it is like an album, right? Like there's maybe three songs on this. You need time for it. <laughs> yeah, you need yeah, you need time for it. And like listen, I got plenty of time now and like now I'm more of an album listener, so I definitely can see myself revisiting this. I'll probably revisit The Wall again, but even though like I I've always liked this more than The Wall. So I haven't even listened to The Wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Also, are we going to give this a grade? Yes, but before we do this, one thing I want to mention for any of our listeners at home, <laughs> Who are looking this up? Listen to the original 1973 version. Roger Waters, frontman for Pink Floyd, has been putting out some trash remakes of some of the songs on this under his own solo, like Spotify profile. Do not listen to them; they are bad. Yeah, <laughs> like real bad. It's like he's taken money and made it an eight-minute thing where he's like narrating like he's reading from a book or something it's not good the only Listen one who is the original version got the only song that has ever gotten better by the artist tinkering with it for 30 40 years is probably layla like every time eric clampton plays it now it's slower and it gets better like <laughs> uh but yeah, no, I would definitely make sure you listen to the original 1973 pressing whenever you listen to this album. Because I also think the brevity is like, because like for an album experience, it's like very tight. It's a very tight album. This is, this is the opposite of overstaying your welcome, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be actually interested to you know what Purvis thinks about that as far as like sequencing on the album is. Because like you're coming from it completely outside of a context. Oh, I love it. Don't worry. Yeah, like, this- there, like I said, there's really no flaws to this album. The fact that they all flow into each other as well. This is just one big song. <laughs> yeah. Like in reality. Yeah. No, and that's kind of yeah. how like a lot of prog rocky stuff is. Like 2112 Rush's Magnum Opus. It's literally that. It's like a yeah. story. It's like a science fiction Lord of the Rings story told over a 45 minute song. Mm-hmm. Like It just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, so I got before we get to grades, I got to ask one question. Do you pick this over Glow On and Ride the Lightning? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. I get that. Absolutely. No, so do I. <laughs> I probably don't listen to it as much to get the feelings I like, but yeah, no, this is definitely a better album than those two. I will. It's not my, I don't like it more, but it's certainly mm. better. It's certainly mm. better. Like, um, who should, what should the order be? Jasper, I feel like you should. I feel like we should just do album. this all together now. I think we all know what this is going to be. And a one. And the two, 
and uh, A plus. A plus. Yeah, yeah, like, plus, yeah. okay, we don't need it. It's an S. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I forgot we do the pluses for A's. So yeah, a plus. like, no, A plus. S tier. Like, yeah, this is actually, yeah. That's why I'm like, very why are we giving, like, why are we giving this a great? Like, that, it's like, it's so obviously like an A plus album. Like, and it, it's like, that's all I got to say. Like, yeah. it was, I was just gonna say, so obviously an you, A plus. Hey, you know what's funny about this? You mentioned listening to Gambino earlier like wanting to go go and mm -hmm. listen to that after this and i i been saying that the, the fact that we're giving this a grade i thought about the uh, the skit from the end of camp where it's like that's why i'm making it for everybody always so everybody can't turn around and tell everybody yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. already knows everybody already knows this is an a album why are we doing this <laughs> yeah. but like, like it, it's so time. obvious i agree yeah uh literally yeah, the, no, the it, only commentary i had is the fact that like i have this weird thing where i'm always scared to go listen to that classic albums like i haven't sat down and listened to thriller and like I haven't sat down and listened to like the you King haven't watched. listened to you haven't listened I, to Thriller. I oh sat down God. and listened to it. There, oh there's God. a long list of classic albums where oh I'm like, God, I understand really. the gravity of it. Thriller's not even his best album. Here's the thing. Oh my God. I'm like it's off the wall. I almost get intimidated, and I know that sounds no. Crazy. I I I feel like, <laughs> I've been there. I, I've no, been I feel there. the same way about going back, especially like electronic music has always been very intimidating for me. Bro. Like um. Uh, like early rock, like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin's very intimidating for me, and also exactly. like they seem like fuck faces. So why do I even want to? But like, <laughs> all right, we're doing Led Zeppelin four next. No, no, no. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Doing Led Zeppelin four. <laughs> like, but honestly though, I understood the gravity of this album when you said I was like, God bless, I got to cross this bridge. But like, I did it, and I'm glad I did. So like now I'm in the mode where like okay let's let's go through all the classic albums we'll, we'll do a classic album like once a month or something oh, dude I love that I love that all right I got I got archives for that yeah. <laughs> all right uh, but... all right shall we do our recommendations yes sir okay so I'll go first <sighs> foreshadowing uh I'm back at the office like full time now uh, so if you've seen me in River North. Uh, walking around, I'm almost certainly listening to this album. It's uh, the the follow up to it is releasing later this year. I think it could be album of the year. Uh, that is "Pray for Paris" by Westside Gun. I'm recommending three two seven Westside Gun featuring Joey Badass and Tyler the Creator. The most stacked song I've ever heard. Absolutely, eminently replayable. Even though "Pray for Paris" is definitely like an album album, like it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect song. Perfect vibe for just walking around the city on a rainy day. Okay. And just running in the my girlfriend's room and yelling, Hey, yo! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jasper? I'm going with the Pink Floyd one for my first one, but it's not off of this album. We're doing Comfortably Numb off the wall. Okay. Certified classic. You will know it when you hear it, Purvis. Yeah. It is. Probably. It's one of them. It's in everything. It's everywhere all the time. Yeah. 10 out of 10. But, okay. Um, My first song is going to be Grinding by Clips. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> my That's cousin sent me this on Instagram, and he was just like, just think about all the times you're in the lunchroom with a pen and pencil. And just make it a beat. <laughs> that is that song. So, I love yeah. that. That would be my first one. All right. So my next one, because I'm seeing Run the Jewels this week, I thought I recommend Run the Jewels a lot. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend a song 
by the artists I've always wanted to feature with Run the Jewels. And now it's like literally a dream feature. But I got to say it. I'm recommending Versace by the Migos. Hey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic song. Not the Drake version. That's like super early Migos, too. Yeah, dude, that was super early Migos. That was like when I learned about that's them. Super early Migos. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was on Migos pretty early, actually. So. All right, Jasper. My last one is going to be another classic song. Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. What is it called? Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, Sympathy for the Devil. Don't do it. You're gonna like you're gonna like this one. Um this song is actually featured in a Call of Duty game. It's featured in like half of movie trailers. Like Sure, that too. That too, yeah. But have you ever seen a Martin uh, Scorsese movie? (laughs) Valid, yeah. It is it do be in those. But it's interesting, it's written from the perspective of the devil. And it's him like introducing himself which is how it starts out and talking about his achievements so it's it's pretty cool uh-huh. okay but i feel like i know this song then. <laughs> you probably do you yeah do. you've probably heard it yeah one would help your recommendations are like classics on top of the classic album <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um we're, we're going I, full full speed ahead i'm not mad at it i'm really not um i'll close this out then <laughs> i have it's another one that just came up on the timeline. I was like, man, this is a classic. But cut it by OT Genius. Oh, my God. The price is way to, too high. You need to it. cut it. <laughs> Dude, I remember one time when I was working overnight at a grocery store, like really struggling to survive. My manager, who was a dick, but like we were friendly, came up to me. He was like, hey, man, your hour's way too long. We need to cut it. <laughs> I'm like, are you telling me my check's Bruh. gonna get smaller? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> your hour's way too long. We need God, to cut it. <laughs> but a classic, absolute classic, absolute classic, <laughs> absolute humdinger. I would say. <laughs> All right. right, all right, guys, we're gonna go. F- Probably smoke weed Don't and listen to Dark Side or the Moon again. Like, <laughs> good call. All right, but uh, what? all right, we're gonna leave normally this time. Oh, revolution! Cut it. <laughs>